With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan. And we have another guest today, which is back-to-back days. Um, And it's the other person you're going to see on all these Fox post-game shows. Ben Gurdon. He's doing a whole bunch of We'd heard from other people that it sounded like Colorado State was expecting to get the CSU-CU game next Tuesday canceled. And when you start to hear those rumors, it's like, well, there's no way they're playing this Saturday. Um, But, you know, we can try to piece together what exactly happened based on, like, the few things we know. The best guess is probably that they got another positive out of, like, one of those uh, players who were in the contact tracing, whether it was, like, Keyshawn or whether it was uh, De Silva. And then maybe they had to go through the contact tracing, and that's why they had to pause everything. And and then they didn't find anything. Like, there are so many different ways that we can get to this point. Well, actually, there aren't. There are so many things that could have happened. There are very few ways that mean we get to watch basketball this Saturday after having the two-day pause. But I don't know. I'm just excited and grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, the schedule worked out pretty well for the Buffs in this scenario as far as, you know, remaining relevant to get through it. Obviously, the Arizona cancellation, that would have been a big-time win on the road. Um, the also goodness would have been a big-time loss. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That without too. Deshaun Schwartz and Keyshawn yep. Bartholomew. Exactly. And so that's the thing is, although that game, I believe, actually is postponed, not canceled. So we should still get that Arizona game back. Now you just have to take on Washington State. And then again, that Colorado State game next week was canceled. So you've got one game within really the next 12, 14 days. So realistically, by the time the Buffs get back on the court uh, after Saturday, they should have most of these guys back and healthy. So, you know, obviously good news in 2020 is all within perspective. Take everything with a grain of salt. But for this program to kind of go through this hurdle early on, I think, it should have some positive ramifications. I think guys are going to begin to take it, you know, seriously um, and be able to go through this better. Um, and, and again, you're really not facing any terrible opponents without having all your firepower. Washington State conference opponent, not to be overlooked, but, you know, they're a lower tier in the Pac-12. So this should come away with a win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Want to talk about Washington State? Let's just start there. You know, just because... The, the way a lot of people listen to podcasts is like that they don't listen to the whole thing. And so if anybody is going to miss the end of this, let's get this preview for this Washington state game on Saturday out of the way. Um, you know, if, if you're a buffs fan, it's probably uh, still in your memory. Uh, the, the site of CJ Ellaby knocking down three pointer after three pointer after three pointer uh, in the NCAA tournament in the last college basketball game of the 2019-2020 season before the whole the whole like thing was just canceled right after. Um, in that game, uh, I guess I don't have the score pulled up right in front of me, but Colorado just got blown out by Washington State as part of that five-game losing streak to end the season. C.J. Ellaby put on one of the most impressive shooting performances I have ever seen. You know, it's it, tournament basketball is different, and it's it's something that you can try to like explain. But as like a media person, tournament basketball is like, okay, now we go from being in Boulder where you have whatever, a couple handfuls of of media personnel there to this tournament where it's just like two rows lining the court all the way around on three sides. 
and and you're just like right there you're right in the action it's like on the same level it's just right in front of you it feels electric and and it's like oh you look to your right and it's like oh bill walton's walking by and like do 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 and it's just such this big like spectacle of a thing to watch cj ellaby go do what he did it, it's uh it gets burned into the memory but he's gone now he decided to go to the nba draft didn't get drafted did he i don't think I so i believe so no no i think he's going to probably play pro somewhere else um but that means that a team that for the most part struggled to shoot threes last year lost its best three-point shooter just double checked actually he was selected 46 pick in the second round by portland oh, wow uh, so but yeah, no, you know, that's great. Good for him and his future. But now we don't have to worry about him. We don't have to talk about him. And this current Cougars roster, they came away with a win last night over Oregon State. And again, conference wins should be taken, um, you know, a little bit better. That's a good win for them to pick up. But honestly, this team does not have the same zest, <clears throat> excuse me, that you worried about when Ellaby was, was on the team. Because with CJ Ellaby, he presented a matchup nightmare. And he could do so much. His development was incredible year over year from when he was a freshman up to when we saw him in the tournament. So you look at this current roster and, you know, it begins with their guard play. Um, they've got Isaac Bonton, who you look at the stats and it's like, oh, OK, he's, he's having a decent season. 18 points per game, five rebounds, 3.7 assists per game. And they're three and oh. So if you're a Washington State fan, you know, what's the reason for concern? Well, your reason for concern to start with is your senior point guard is shooting 23 percent on the season. He is averaging just four makes on 19 attempts in their three games. And not only that, but he's averaging only two makes on nine three pointers as well. So he's shooting very inefficiently, but in mass volumes. So, you know, to analyze that from the start, this Buffs team is going to have a lot of opportunities to win this game on the defensive glass. If you can negate some second chance points, um, you're really going to be able to, to coast through the majority of this game because if I, Isaac Bonton is missing 12, 16 shots for the game, that's not a problem. The one problem, though, with Bonton is he does get to the line very efficiently. He's shooting 80% from the line there. That's where he gets a lot of his points from. So when you've got bigs like Evan Batty and Dallas Walton who are prone to picking up fouls in the paint, that is where this Washington State team could really capitalize. If they continue to push the paint, force the buffs into foul trouble, you're going to see some issues because not only can Bonton get to the line, but they also have a seven footer of their own. And I'm going to botch the pronunciation, but I believe it's F.A. Abujidi. Pretty close. Maybe. I doubt it. He's a, he's a seven footer (laughs) averaging eight points, six boards, and uh, you know, a little under two blocks per game. So he's a big guy inside. So when you get this matchup of they've got their seven footer of their own, as well as a point guard, who's not shying away from contact, the personal foul trouble that we've seen from Colorado's bigs in the first two games very well could catch up to bite them come Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And you know, this, this really is like Isaac Bonton's team at this point, like obviously senior point guard, it's not like crazy to say, but he's going to be putting up a lot of shots and we've seen that that is going to be true, whether they're falling or not, just because they need to find offense from somewhere and you got to start with the guy who's done it before. Um, I I agree. I, th- I think that you put it all pretty well. Like Colorado should win this game. Like they should win this game. You brought up the fouls being a potential problem. And that's, uh, I totally agree. Like you, you can look at the numbers for Bonton, the number for the buffs, big men and be like, yep, that, that is something you have to be paying attention to. Um, but Another thing that I worry about, two things really, the offensive rebounds, the turnovers. That's been two things that we've seen tank this Buffs team, I guess not as much this year, but last year. Um, they they struggled at points um, with the turnovers. Uh, they blew, let's see, the Northern Iowa game. I think that was one that was because of big turnover numbers. They've had the trouble with the offensive rebounds. These are like the things that the buffs all year are just going to have to handle. Well, not getting the bigs in foul trouble, getting offensive rebounds. And those two things kind of go or go hand in hand, limiting offensive rebounds on the other side. Um, And then those turnovers, um, because that is how you let a team like Washington state stick around. But yeah, you, you see that shiny three and O next to uh, Washington state. 
congrats on beating Oregon State without Trace Tinkle. <laughs> um, and then Eastern Washington, which like big sky basketball is a lot better than people give it credit for. Three point win over Eastern Washington. That's not scaring me. Um, and then like a four point win over Texas Southern. This should be a game that the Buffs win. Absolutely. And and honestly, you know, candidly speaking, and, and I'll preface this with no no opponent you should go into overlooking. And since the buffs don't have a game next week, this is their, this is their shot to go to three and out. Is the, is the Colorado state game off? I I believe this morning it was officially called. Oh, really? I must have missed that. And and that I think is less on Colorado at this point, more on the Rams because they've had their first five matchups um, canceled and they're, they're still having a ton of problems within their own athletic department. Um, But, but looking at Washington state as well, you know, like you said, 3-0, and some slim wins over some not-so-great opponents, and also they're only averaging 62 points per game, um, which is, you know, Colorado, they're averaging 80 on the year. They gave up 61 to South Dakota, 58 to Kansas State. And, you know, Washington State, whether or not they're a better team than K-State or South Dakota, I still think is, you know, to be seen. But again, this game, you should come away with a victory. Another point on Washington State while we're talking about turnovers they turn the ball over a lot as well. They're averaging over 14 turnovers per game right now. Bonton leading the way with almost four turnovers per game, including he had seven in their season opening win. So they are careless with the ball. They're not exactly what I call opportunistic. Um, and, and the other thing with that too is they've got some big forwards and you know that, that big center that I touched on with OBGD. Again, probably botched that one. Um, but Colorado averaging 37 rebounds per game. Washington State at 40. You know, you can look at how that's going to break down. I don't quite, I haven't gotten a chance to dive into the difference between offensive and defensive rebounds, but you have to imagine the fact that they're shooting 10 percentage points less per game is going to contribute to why they're getting a few more looks um, at some rebounds. Overall, this Washington State team, they can pose a threat. I wouldn't be surprised if this game was a little tight early because we saw that against South Dakota and Kansas State. The bus started a little bit slow, but in the long haul, especially with this game being in Boulder, Colorado's talent and athleticism should let them coast to a double-digit win. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and the another reason why I do get good feelings about this game is that it was rare last year until that last stretch of the season to, to see the Buffs kind of fall flat multiple times. Like at coming off what happened with Kansas State, um, which is a game that may- maybe now is the time to dig into it. But mm-hmm. what happened was Colorado didn't play all that well uh, at the in the first few minutes, um, and then they just turned it on. And from that point forward, they blew them out, uh, turned a 13-point uh, halftime – or not halftime, first-half deficit into an 18-point win. That's not something you see very often. But after coming out that slowly, um, I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see – Carl or not Carl Durrell, sorry, Tab Boyle really <laughs> emphasize this week getting off to a hot start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think getting off to that hard or the, the slow start, I mean, against Kansas State, I do think some of that was attributed to the lack of Keyshawn Bartholomew and his availability. Obviously, you know, to, to recap all that, before Wednesday's action against South Dakota, we learned uh, Deshaun Schwartz would be heading back to Boulder due to a possible issue with COVID 19. It was later revealed he had tested positive. And then by the time Friday rolled around, Keyshawn Bartholomew and Tristan DeSilver were held out due to contact tracing. Um, again, we're not sure what exactly caused uh, the, the pause on the program, whether it was more positives or, or whatnot. But losing your Bartholomew, who emerged as your sixth man, he's a guy that can play the two and complement McKinley Wright extremely well, but he can also lead your second unit. So a guy with that much versatility who also led your team in rebounds in that first game he brings so much to the table. So to lose him on short notice, I think that, that could be attributed to it. I also think that shot selection was, was a little bit tough and they lost their identity a bit. You know, Maddox Daniels, he has a great shot. He does. He has a great shot. But his shot selection has been less than impressive to this point. I think they really need to refine their identity, which is what got them to such success last year. And even with the absence of Tyler Bay, if they can get back to working from inside the paint out and creating opportunities from within the lane, using guys that are great passers like Evan Batty to set up other players. 
McKinley Wright right now, he's averaging 22 points per game. He's a superstar. He was a Pac-12 Conference Player of the Week. In the front running, I would say, for Conference Player of the Year um, after just one week of play. Evan Mobley is going to obviously make his case known for that, but I'm going to I'm gonna side with Wright because I think that award should go to a guy that's not going to be one and done, but that's besides the point. Uh, McKinley Wright's going to create his own offense, but guys like Evan Batty have just been absent, and, and Evan Batty's lack of efficiency, that's the word I'll use for his efficiency, it was kind of overshadowed by the rise of Dallas Walton and Jabari Walker, but he has got to step up in the long haul, if they're going to be able to have long-term success working in the low post. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about <laughs> Evan Batty and about Maddox. You know what? Before we get all those, I'm going to organize these thoughts and we're going to take a quick break and talk about Breckenridge Brewery. Um, if you guys haven't been drinking Breckenridge beers, you've been missing out. I, I tell you this every day. Like, I don't know what it's going to take for me to wear you down and get you all just like drinking Breckenridge beers all the time. I realized I was going to say some things and it's tough talking about alcohol and being sensitive too, because there are some things like you, you don't like encourage, like drinking a lot of beers. And there's this weird fine line that I always am stumbling through, but, um, which is kind of like a weird thing to be stumbling again, alcohol, but, uh, the, the, the beers are so good. You guys should be drinking them. Like I, I again, I tell you this every day. Uh, we heard from Ryan yesterday about the juice drop IPA. He says it's incredible. I'm excited to try one. Um, maybe we can get, maybe for the tailgate on Sunday, we can get a bunch of those and be drinking those. Or maybe after, maybe on the Buffs post game. Uh, this isn't the time to be plugging that. You know what? <laughs> yes, it is. So here's, here's what's going to go down on Saturday since it came up. Um, we uh, will be obviously at the DMVR studios watching the basketball game at two. And then we'll be watching the football game at five. And then after the football game, there will be our post-game show, like there always is, me and Ben and Ryan. And uh, Allie will chime in if her headset's working this week. It's always like a toss-up. It's one of the, I don't know, unpredictable things that's kind of fun just to see how it breaks that week because it does change things. But um, there may be like an in-between-the-two-games show if there's time to talk about Colorado basketball separately. We might push it all together into the post-game show. We're still working through that sort of stuff. All we know is there's a big day for the buffs on Saturday and you guys should come hang out with us in between all the big things that are happening uh, because we're going to be talking about those. We want to hear your thoughts. We want questions, all that kind of stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. So make sure you tune into that. Um, you could do that on the DMVR Facebook or just, whoa, the DMVR YouTube page. Uh, ben saw all this again. I'm a little bit fuzzy today and it's because it was so hard to get my coffee from Starbucks this like pumpkin spice cold brew there. No, it's pumpkin cream cold brew, which is an important distinction because the top 25% of it is all just the cream. And so you get like the Trenta and it takes you forever to get through the cream part to the actual coffee. And by then you're like buzzing off the sugar. And so that's, what's happening for those of you yeah, who are I'm, hearing me try to talk. I'm setting up, getting ready for the podcast, get a text from Henry, five more minutes. Starbucks was late at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what? how long was he at Starbucks? <laughs> well, that's the thing is you have to like wait for the rush to die down. And I was telling, I was telling Ben, like I knew when I woke up this morning that I had to write about Carson Wells because Carson Wells has not gotten enough recognition on the, the DMVR.com. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with that because I don't have a lot of like recent quotes from Carson to, to like go through his whole like rise and getting to this point and that kind of stuff. And I don't really know what else I'm writing because it's kind of flexible, but I knew that something on the website had to be about Carson Wells. And it wound up, this is a little spoiler being one of my three questions of the week ahead of the Arizona game on Saturday. But yeah, so it's just like, wake up, see if you can do something before the line at the Starbucks in downtown Denver dies down and today I waited as long as I did. And I was still there for 30 minutes. <sighs> I'm a little bit, I don't even know what to call this. Fiery, fiery, <laughs> not, not probably not that. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. Pissy is probably the word. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Uh, stay tuned. Saturday is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to be talking all that fun stuff and we've been having a good time with you guys and the numbers are awesome which means that we get to do more and more fun buffs things when the numbers are so good uh 
also like our stuff and give us good reviews and that helps too. But uh, back to Breckenridge Brewery, good beers. You can find them all all over the place. Grocery stores, liquor stores, um, anywhere like bars that serve like to-go alcohol, which is a thing you can do now. I'm sure you could get Breckenridge beers from them and support local businesses. Um, so a whole bunch of different ways. But if you want to know for sure, get on the beer locator at Breckenridge Brewery's website. It'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever beer you want to try. Uh, and uh, it's super convenient. Oh, also, you can go sledding and uh, ice skating at their farmhouse. $3 if you bring your own skates, $6 if you rent skates. And if you uh, just have kids you want to keep busy by doing that, they will serve you beer, too. So... <laughs> There you go. It's literally the definition of a win-win. Uh, and see, Beer see, and having your kids watched. I mean, what <laughs> what, what more could you want? The, uh, a Buffs win? Well, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like an undefeated Saturday. Maybe you spend the morning out there. I'm not sure what the hours are, but like if there's a nice way to go get a couple morning tailgate beers while the kids get to ice skate, wear them out, come back home, sit on the couch all day, watch the Buffs and look at Ben's cute face when it's all over. That's a, that's a good way to spend a day. Well, now I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, we didn't have time to get to the other ad because of all the nonsense, but uh, we'll, we'll patch those in later on in the show to spread things out. If um, only Allie were here to scold us again. <laughs> wow. Boy, would she have hated what just happened. Please don't tell her. Um, that, was, that was an ad within – no, wait. That was a plug for our show within an ad while also shouting out a, a – company that does not give us money giving out free advertising which is something she really hates when i do yeah we're not telling her yeah so why get starbucks when you could just get some strava craft coffee boom perfect because if i'm being totally honest k cups can be a little bit too difficult for me which is a really embarrassing thing for me to have to say a little bit <laughs> but but i cannot i can't make my own coffee like like it's a problem if if we could still go to the dmvr bar and pick it up like for sure and saturday when we're there all day i'm kicking things off with a big old strava craft coffee but until somebody teaches me how to make coffee out of i mean literally anything like just out of something that is not already a cup of coffee like whether it's beans or grounds or k-cups which you can get if you subscribe to strava craft coffee um 20 off uh i will uh I'll just be drinking whatever I can go buy. There's a 7-Eleven around the corner, too. Shameless plug for 7-Eleven. Oh, I did it again. Yep, I did it again. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it is so convenient because it's like 200 feet from my front door. Okay, back <laughs> back to all this basketball stuff, though. Um, Maddox Daniels, 3 for 10 from the field against Kansas State, 1 for 7 from 3. And let's see, he took 10 shots. He turned the ball over once. So I would say he touched the ball probably about 14 times um, would be my guess because pretty much whenever he did get the ball, he shot it. Here are my thoughts on that. I think that that is the way it should be. If he touches the ball, he should be shooting that ball. Now, here's the difference. Deshaun Schwartz is out, which means Maddox Daniels is in the starting lineup. And that means he's going to be doing things that aren't just going and standing in the corner. And that means you have to change the game plan. You know, once you get into the season, then yes, the rule that like if Maddox Daniels gets the ball, he should probably shoot it. That will be totally true. But that's because he should be in the corner every single time. And he should only have the ball passed to him if he is wide open in the corner. You know, and that's how it works. I, th I think that the shot selection, yes, it was bad. And there were, if you, if you wanted to pick apart Maddox Daniels' game, not a not a tough thing to do and it's a, it'd be very valid and important things to do too because that's what's going on with the team but i will say like this does seem like a, a problem that is going to be gone sooner rather than later once you get the rest of your team back yeah i think that's a fair point because ideally max daniel serves as your clay thompson guy you know what is it clay thompson uh you know they love doing the highlights of clay thompson where he scores without dribbling you know mm -hmm. just catch and shoot Get yep. in the corner, just play three and D because he's really improved on the defensive side of the ball. He's not, he is not a guy that I'm scared of uh, when he's covering people out on the perimeter. So yeah, once Agreed. you get Deshaun Schwartz back and you get Daniels in his natural role, totally agree for this specific game against Washington state, he's three of 10. Ugh. You would like to see him maybe shooting closer to, I don't know, maybe eight shots. 
And, and again, that's not that big a drop off because he is a, he, he was a good source of offense, 10 points and nine points um, against K-State and South Dakota respectively. So he just needs to clean up when he's taking those shots because I look at the South Dakota game, he got an outlet pass, had a nice dribble move into the corner for a, a somewhat fading three swish. Perfect. He has the capability to do it. It's just, he's not as big a guy to deal with some of the closeouts that he was seeing against Kansas state. He was a little too deep then because he was trying to create more separation and that's where you cause a shot selection. But again, completely agree. When you get to Sean Schwartz back in this starting lineup and Daniels is simply your rotational guy, mm-hmm. he's going to look great. My, my concern, and I'm very interested to hear those thoughts you had on Evan Batty because yeah. you know, he's a guy that he's a great passer, great passer. He's got energy, but he's not being able to play with a crowd this year, which is in he it's hyped him up in the past and he's shooting very lackluster. I think his total is just under 30%, just over 30% from the floor. He hasn't hit anything from three averaging um, looks like averaging six points, four rebounds, two assists, not awful, but from a guy that was supposed to be a key contributor going into this season, definitely less than you'd anticipate. Yeah. And, and it's important to note that like Evan Batty does a lot of little things. Well, you know, he boxes out, he does all that sort of stuff. And the the passing, like he doesn't really make mistakes with where he goes with the ball. And so but he does do a lot of these little things right that can help when he does have down games. And hopefully that's what these are. It's just two down games because something isn't working. Um it, early on in these games, he's looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I've thought. You know, I think the first game he had like a couple of little moves in the post they scored on. Uh, he had another one. I think this one might have been like old turnaround maybe in the post early on, like in the first couple minutes. And he finished one for five. He just didn't do much else. And so both these games, like I go into it and it's like, okay, uh, oh, look, there's there's McKinley Wright. Boys, he looked good. It's like, oh, Eli Parquet hit a shot. That's going well. Evan Batty just did this in the post. And, and, and then you just keep going. You're like, wait. Evan Batty hasn't made anything in a long time. It was just that one early on. And I, I do wonder what is going on there. Like, is the shot just not falling for him? Uh, do, does he need better looks? Or, like, is there something, like, deeper uh, that is more problematic that's going on here? For, for me personally, though, at this point, I'm, I'm not concerned. If anything, I'm a little bit worried about the foul trouble um, because we did see that in the first game. Um, overall though, I trust Evan. I think that this will get worked out sooner rather than later. Yeah, I completely agree. And I want to bring up Evan because, you know, I want to play devil's advocate because it's easy to see the team, you know, having a a plus 20 points per game margin every game. You're like, you know, well, this team is playing perfectly. So it's good to nitpick at times when we can Mm -hmm. like this. Um, and, and just to, again, play devil's advocate with it. I'm curious whether or not it, it is the looks, it is a, a problem with, with how the offense is flowing through Batty, or if it really is just because of the progression of guys like Dallas Walton, Jariah Horn coming of a live last game, um, and also Jabari Walker off the bench too. Their front court has so many options and so many different ways to beat you. Jariah Horn really is your offensive X factor out of those guys. He can hit it from outside, but he also showed – against Kansas State, his playmaking ability. Um, he, he played great, and as I'm trying to pull up what it was, um, he had some great moves where he had a pump fake, drive, drove in for an assist. Yeah, he grabbed three assists, six rebounds, and nine points against Kansas State. A sensational sat, stat line for a guy who's coming off your bench for an easy 18, 20 minutes per game. So he's really your X factor. When his shot is on, he can take a lot of them and force defenses to play him, which is going to open up your lanes. Dallas Walton, too. We've talked at length how great Dallas Walton has looked early on in this season. And Walton's been a guy that got into a lot of foul trouble, too. And the problem with him against Kansas State was he picked up that third personal foul very early in the second half, and we didn't see him again after that. But he's another guy where it just it is dynamic. And then you've got Jabari Walker, who he's young, he's athletic, he can board, and he can work the inside very well. So you've got three guys there that can all do very different things. And it almost does leave Evan Batty as, as perhaps an odd man out as far as that shot distribution goes, which may contribute to why he can't get in a rhythm and is putting up kind of modest stats. Yeah, and and it makes sense too because, you know, we've been hearing for a few years now about how inefficient just like post moves are and how that's not really like where you want to be going. You want 
your layups or you want your three pointers. You're moving away from the mid range. And again, as part of that whole movement toward the most efficient places on the floor, things like Evan Batty doing work in the post have, you know, kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, and and now that you, like you said, you have Dallas Walton and, and he can, he can score. He has more length. It's a little bit easier in there with all those big guys. He can also go up and catch like a lob. He can get some layups inside. You have a Jabari Walker who's so explosive. He can get to the rack. Like these are, or dry horn, the one other, he can do all sorts of things, but what's been most impressive so far is the three point shooting and his ability to stretch the floor, a very efficient shot. And so you do kind of see how the offense could move away from Evan Batty, but it is really nice to just have him there because, you know, it's kind of like the conversation with Nicole Jokic where it's like, well, you can't be having post-ups over and over. Well, the, well, if, if you have Nicole Jokic, you'd be crazy not to be posting him up over and over again. So far with Evan Batty, he hasn't quite been on that level of saying like, yeah, in terms of college basketball, not the best shot. In terms of me taking it, it's going well. And I think that he'll get into a rhythm at some point. And just even having that on the back burner, while you do have other players put up points, and it's not like he was that far behind him. He had five points. Dallas had his seven. Jariah had nor nine. Uh, Jabari Walker had nine. Like if, if Evan Batty just hits on two of those other shots, then all of a sudden he's three for five, nine points. And obviously that's not what happened. And and you can't just play like revisionist history, but in another world, maybe those shots do fall. And I think that at this point in the season, I'm not concerned. I, I have a feeling that those shots, whether they're just randomly not going in, it's a small sample size thing. He's not getting bounces or whether it is a little bit like deeper than that. I think it's going to get worked out and that could happen as soon as Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And and one interesting thing about Batty and maybe to to kind of tie a bow on on that type of discussion is three of your four top scoring players on the season are backups. And I think that's super fascinating Mm -hmm. because obviously McKinley Wright's leading the way right now, averaging 22 points per game. He was on fire last week. But then you've got Keyshawn Bartholomew at 11 points per game. And obviously he only played that one against uh, South Dakota. But then Jariah Horn and Jabari Walker come in at 10 and then nine and a half points respectively. So you've got three key contributors that are guys that are not expected to be starters. And this these totals aren't even including the likes of Deshaun Schwartz, who still hasn't had a chance to play as well. So again, we keep coming back to this narrative of the depth on this team gives you two things. It gives you an ability to fill in the gaps, especially in a year like this when you do have COVID issues. You know, you've got Deshaun Schwartz and Keyshawn Bartholomew out. You've got guys that can come in, fill the void. They're not going to be as explosive as those players, but they're going to be able to get the job done. And then at the other hand, too, it's going to make up for when you've got guys that have an off night. Evan Batty goes one for five. Well, that's fine. Jariah Horn can stretch the floor, grab nine points, and also dish the ball for six assists. I mean, that's incredible versatility from a forward um you know and it's also versatility that we were wondering what was going to happen when when tyler bay left because tyler bay had a lot of stats to build Mm -hmm. from points rebounds assists and blocks and so we see that kind of committee approach as far as who's picking up the slack in those columns and you know at this point you look two games in colorado shooting just shy of uh 45 from the floor and 35% from three, I mean, you got to love what you're seeing from him. So Evan Batty, a little bit nitpicky on him, but he's got the capacity to do it. And I think it'll just take maybe one breakout game from him. He'll get in a rhythm, and then, you know, there's no stopping this Colorado offense. Yeah, and I think that realizing – I mean, just just sitting and thinking about what Colorado just did to Kansas State – despite the circumstances you know remember they they don't have their starter deshaun schwartz who if if he had led the team in scoring this year uh, that wouldn't have been a huge surprise you know Mm -hmm. i I don't expect that i mean looking at this now though i do expect him to kind of be that number two guy in, in terms of putting up points just because he is such a good shooter and he can do so many different things on offense that's a big loss and losing Keyshawn bartholomew the guy who drives play when you don't have McKinley right out there, that's a big loss. Now we don't really know when either of those guys will be back, but 
both of those are are huge in terms of Colorado's ability to win these games. And then you factor in like the Buffs were down 13 and were able to score enough points to get back in. You know, they they outscored Kansas State 46 to 27 in the second half. You throw in Deshaun Schwartz, you throw in Keyshawn Bartholomew to that. What does this look like? Does this become 56 to 27? Because that is just a, an outstanding number. And, you know, those are the, the questions that Buffs fans are lucky that they get to ask themselves right now because things have gone so well despite not having a significant portion of their talent. And I'm really excited because this offense should be very dynamic. I mean, you just look at the players who can create plays for other players. McKinley Wright is one of the best in the country at doing that. Keyshawn Bartholomew, in the limited time that we've seen him, has looked to be very, very good at that. You have Evan Batty. What he does as a passer is obvious. And uh, how you like shape out the rest of that lineup, it's, it's probably Deshaun Schwartz. And with the starters, maybe he is spending a lot of the time sitting in the corner hunting three-pointers, which he shot at an above 40% clip. I want to say he was shooting like 45% from three through non-conference play last year. So these points can just come from so many different directions because you have so many players who can set other players up and score for themselves. Uh, and that depth keeps going through the bench with dry a horn, you know, Jabari Walker is grabbing offensive boards and, and putting them back. Like he is strong enough to play down in the post right now, which is something that I was concerned about. Like, is he just going to get thrown around? No, he is beating big guys for rebounds. Um, and, and I'm really excited. Um, what, what have you thought about Jabari Walker so far? Oh, I've loved him. His versatility has been so impressive because like you said, I had my concerns about his size and his, his ability to contribute this year. Um, but realistically, those haven't been a problem. As in, and when you look at what he's been able to do on the floor, not just from a rebounding perspective, which is what my bare minimum for him was, was going to be on the defensive glass. Um, but on the offensive boards as well, being able to, to clean up in that area and, and take good shots. He's averaging right now nine and a half points per game. Um, he's grabbing four and a half boards per game and he's shooting the ball very well. And the thing that I most, that, that I like the most about Jabari Walker is honestly, once Deshaun Schwartz comes back, I think this lineup can look so different in so many different ways based on the matchup. Let's take USC, for example, mm -hmm. the Mobley brothers, that's going to be tough, but you can start Dallas Walton and Evan Batty. Like you have been, you could also, when Deshaun Schwartz needs minutes, you could put Jabari Walker at the three. Jabari Walker can play the three and the four because he's shown he can hit three-pointers. He can hit mid-range jump shots as well. It may not be his best attribute right now, but he has the ability to do it. So now with Jabari Walker, once you get Deshaun Schwartz back, this team is too, is too deep at every position. You've got Bartholomew to back up right. You've got Parquet and Daniels who can switch at two depending on what you need. You've got Deshaun Schwartz and Jabari Walker who can play the three. You've also got Jariah Horn, who can step in at the four, along with Dallas Walton and Evan Batty. I mean, and that's not even beginning to talk about guys like Neek Clifford, who struggled at times, for sure. He looked uncomfortable um, in the role that he had to play in Kansas State, but he's still a talented guy. So Jabari Walker, what he does as a freshman is he just lifts this team ceiling so far, so far, so much farther up than it was, because you've got just another piece for Tad Boyle to play with especially at a role where you know you're going to have foul trouble. And I keep coming back to it. And Evan Batty, he only had two fouls against K-State. He, he did a good job cleaning that up. But knowing what you know and, and knowing history to play into these two games, Evan Batty and Dallas Walton are going to they're gonna have to sit for potentially extended periods of time in the second half. So having a young kid like Jabari Walker, who is so athletic and can be an X factor on the glass as well, I mean – it's just so tough to look at negatives on this team because so far we have not seen many holes. Like you said, they overcame a 13 point deficit. Boom. You can check off that adversity box. They kicked the, you know, the living, you know, what out of South Dakota a game that they should have won. And they did. So still a lot of checkpoints for them to, to go through going into conference play and some tougher opponents. But right now, when looking at a kid like Jabari Walker, someone who you weren't sure what he would contribute in his first year, Lots of pleasant surprises and just, again, lifts this team ceiling.
Yep. And uh, it, it totally is all about the combinations. Because right now, I think the Buffs have nine guys who you want to be getting minutes to. Um, that's the the five starters we've seen so far, along with Jabari Walker, Jariah Horn, uh, Deshaun Schwartz will step in as a starter, and Keyshawn Bartholomew. Um, the question, though, is whether you're getting anything out of Neat Clifford, Luke O'Brien, um, Tristan De Silva this season. Um, because while they have gotten out there, like you said, it, it certainly has been an uncomfortable look was probably the right word that you used. Like, it, you know, they have the talent. There are a couple times they made plays, you know, Neek had the two steals in this game and, and they were good looking steals, but you know, th- that seems to be like one of the few things that he now has ready to go at like a pack 12 level. You know, he, he can jump those passing lanes the way he did. Um, but the ball handling, it's just like the game just looks really fast for him. If at some point this season it does slow down for him, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, then you start getting into some really crazy looking lineups where you throw out Bartholomew, you throw out McKinley Wright, you throw out Neek, and those are your three guards. And then from there, you're flexible. Do you want to play some small ball with Maddox out there and Jabari? And maybe you could make that work if Jabari can hold up against a, a team that has a smaller five. You know, or maybe it's just Dallas Walton and he's just playing inside. Maybe Dallas Walton gets hot from three and he's playing outside. Like there's just so many different ways that all of these things could fit together. And I think that's why uh, it's it's so easy to be optimistic about this team. You know, it's kind of like how we were talking about uh, with with this Arizona cancellation, but not having the Washington State game on Saturday being canceled. It felt like, when you hear what's going on, they're pausing activities. They've canceled the Arizona game. There's like a million different ways it could go, but at least 900,000 of them, probably more seemed like they would include canceling the Arizona game. Well, now the buffs are in this situation, like on the floor where it's the opposite of that, where it's like, there's so many ways this season could go with different players playing well, different players having stretches where they play poorly of uh, guys having their shots fall, guys not having their shots fall, guys taking a step forward in their development that, of all the different paths that this team could go down, so many of them look like they would work. Like you would have enough pieces to make a run once you do get into February and March and everything that comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it again, this team is going to lose games. It happens in college basketball. This team's not going to go 30 and 0 and, and win the NCAA title. And, and we'll sit here on our high horses. Like, you know, we told you so there's going to be adversity, Mm -hmm. but the key is in, especially in a season like this, like you touched on having the different ways you can win, whether it be defensively shutting a team down and winning a, winning a brutal fight, you know, 44, 45 or 44, 42, you know, something like that, or whether it be a shootout where you win 80, 78 or, or something outrageous, because you're going to have to do that in, in the Pac-12. Arizona State puts up a lot of points. You're going to have to put up 85, 90 points reasonably to try and beat that team. But, you know, you go against other teams who, who aren't going to be as good. You know, you look at Washington State averaging 62 points per game. Well, your defense is good enough to pick up the slack if your offense is having an off night. And, and that just plays into the versatility of this team. I'm excited to see what they do against Washington State, being a conference opponent, being their first game in Boulder. You hope that, again, it's a double-digit win and they're able to come out on top um, and, and realistically try and, try and build some momentum in that way as well, moving into the middle part of this non-conference schedule because after Washington State, their next conference opponent is not going to come for several weeks. So they really need to be undefeated going into conference play if they want to have a, a chance to really improve their seed um, when you look ahead to, to March. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, with a, a couple of fun questions I have for you, Ben, about this basketball team. Um, but first, we actually have to hit two ad reads because I'm not going to lie, that was not my best performance earlier. <laughs> We're going to be focused now, though. Um, the gyms may not be full, but there's definitely no shortage of madness this college basketball season. For us fans, the college basketball powers that be have gifted us with a top-tier matchup between two powerhouses. 
This weekend, Gonzaga and Baylor will be going toe-to-toe for what could be the nation's top ranking. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is bringing you closer to the action with these can't-miss offers. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all college basketball fans who sign up now the chance to win $100 when betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win this clash of Titans. Plus, you'll get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up for your shot to turn $1 into $100. Um, Use promo code DNVR during sign-up to take advantage of this of these great offers for limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older uh, Colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough restrictions apply see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 real quick Ben Gonzaga or Baylor who's going to win oh you know it's going to be close um I think it's going to be Gonzaga, assuming uh, that their their freshman stud, Jalen Suggs, is healthy. For anybody who watched that game, he went down with what looked like a a clear torn Achilles in the first half. I mean, he was writhing in pain, took uh, legitimately took 20 minutes to walk off the court. And then all of a sudden in the second half, he's jogging around on the sidelines and the announcers are like, is is that Suggs? Is he he going back in there? And he went back in the game, assuming he's healthy. I'm going to give the edge to Gonzaga but I would not bet on the game personally because I could really see it going either way. Baylor played fantastic last night against the fighting Alani or Illini, Illinois. That's such a weird mascot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I uh, I'm all in on Gonzaga this year. The, the front court with Suggs, like I I just think that this is a really well-balanced, well-put-together team of like fairly modern basketball players, like just like guys who can stretch the floor Maybe they need a rim protector still, but outside of that, it's, it's close. It's tough to find any flaws. Baylor's really good too, but I'm all in on Gonzaga. Um, also time and time again, the one thing that has protected Americans against economic downturns is an education allowing them to adapt into varying careers. So go and build your toolbox at uh, MSU Denver online. Uh, MSU Denver online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. And some of our very own staff members at DMVR are taking MSU Denver online classes. Um, Harrison Wind, who covers the Nuggets, has said that his professors have been in, in, uh, super engaged and incredibly responsive to emails and questions and concerns and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, the professors typically work in the same field uh, that they're teaching their class on, uh, which means that they have very relevant and timely information. And it isn't just stuff that's taught out of some old textbook. Um, they actually teach you real things that you can use in real life. Uh, it's also very convenient for people working a job. So if you're looking to continue your education or go back to school or go to school for the first time, consider MSU Denver online. Uh, they've been doing online school for a long time. Uh, they've kind of perfected the formula and you can get information on what they have to offer. You can look at the 40 plus uh, uh, programs that will get you a degree Uh, hybrid or online. Um, And you can also check out the 700 plus courses that can get you that degree. um, If you go to msudenver.com slash online. Okay, Ben, before we get out of here, um, who leads this team in three point percentage this season? Deshaun Schwartz. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm really confident. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm confident in him coming back and coming back with, with a fire under him because he did shoot very well in non-conference and laid off as we went into 2020. You know, maybe his three-point percentage was a foreshadow of things to come for the rest of the year. So now that we're almost through 2020, I'm expecting him to come back in here. I expected him to be a double-digit scorer on this team. 
So I think it's going to be there for him for two reasons. I think he's got a good developed shot. And I also think the volume is going to be there for him. You know, you look at a guy like McKinley Wright right now, he's shooting 43% from three, and that's a great number. I'm fine with him to take more shots, but that's just not part of his game. He's really only going to shoot one or two per game. So that's really going to handicap what his end of year statistics are going to be. Whereas a guy like Deshaun Schwartz, he's probably going to shoot five to eight threes per game. So if he gets hot, he should be able to lead in that way. Close second for me is going to be Jariah Horn because he's going to get those looks. He's going to pull the trigger as well. And he has really impressed me with his versatility on the outside. Yep. And that was going to be my next question when you went with Deshaun Schwartz was, so not Jariah Horn. So I'm glad that you did address that. Um, but I, I agree. I think that that's where you look. You know, if if Ken stays hot and continues to only take like the shots that he's in love with, you could see him making a run. At the same time, it seems like the shot that he's really in love with is just like one pull up three early in the clock. Um, per game as well as just like one other that comes up at some yep. other point so yeah he, we'll, we'll see what breeze, it looks like he's definitely feeling it you can tell he dribbles on the court and you can just get that sense of all right here comes the mckinley right heat check you know yep. and normally he hits those and yep. he turns around he's like yep i hit it just to say i could um real quick no, though too one dark horse eli parquet has looked really good he's shooting over 50 percent right now i think four for seven from three mm-hmm. he they talked a lot about how he worked in the offseason on that three-point shot and it looks very very good um in the start of this season yeah yep and i really like that because of his role as well and this is yeah. something we talked about with maddox daniels too but D- daniels kind of coming in off the bench i think parquet's your starter this year yeah. his defense is so good and his three-point shooting has gotten to the point where you can call him a 3-and-D player. Because last year, he was a D player. And sometimes yeah. that left him as well. And so this year's at least through a couple of games, it does seem like he has, you know, tightened his game up a little bit. It's I don't think there were any drastic changes. Although I do think that he may have changed his shooting stroke before last season. And maybe that was the cause of some struggles and now it's starting to click for him. So maybe there's that going for him. But for the most part, it just seems like a guy who's now back in his junior year and his game has just taken a pretty regular step for a guy who's gone from sophomore to junior. He's tightened up the defense a little bit. He's he's knocking down the shot a little bit more often. And that's really all he needed to be a good fifth starter because with all these other pieces that are going on with Keyshawn, with Kin with Deshaun Schwartz, with Evan Batty or Dallas Walton, however this gets pieced together, I do think that Eli Parquet is going to be playing a lot of minutes just because there are so many good scores and so many guys who can create shots that you don't need to try to force that into another position. If you can say, play good defense and sit in the corner and space the floor, honestly, that's a that's a great use of a starting spot given what else the Buffs have. Absolutely. Um, who leads the team in rebounds this year? Total rebounds, not per game, total rebounds. Total rebounds. Yeah. You know, I, right now, Jariah Horn has that, has that crown. I'm going to go. Yeah. It's, oh, it's such a tough question. Uh, screw it. I'm going to bar Walker. I'm, wow. I'm all in on that athleticism. He has shown he's going to get 18 to 20 minutes per game. And in that time, he dominates the boards. So, you know, you look at when you've got Dallas Walton and Evan Batty on the floor, it's 50-50 who's coming down with that defensive rebound realistically. And, and also, too, McKinley Wright is going to get in on, on those boards as well. He is not shy away from the glass. No. So I imagine when Jabari Walker is on the floor, he is the focal point of rebounding. And so when you've got a guy that's going to get you 20 minutes per game, I think those numbers are going to stack up. Right now, he's a half a rebound short per game with obviously this tremendously small sample size. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at that because also I think he's going to be able to play the three and the four as well moving forward. So, yeah, Jabari Walker is my pick for that. And Dark Horse, I do think Evan Batty because he is so big. Um, and, and he's not as kind of awkward as an athlete as Dallas Walton down there. You know, because Walton's a seven-footer. He should be able to come away with a lot of boards. But he doesn't have – the same quickness that Evan Batty does. And mm-hmm. yes, that's because he's four inches taller. So with a guy like Evan Batty, who's got that weight, he can push around down there. He's another guy who can, who can really come away with a lot of boards. Yeah. It's a really tough call in my mind because, you know, Jabari Walker, he's coming off the bench. 
Like, like yeah. he is not going to have as many opportunities as guys like Evan Batty or Dallas Walton. At the same time, we've talked about the foul trouble those two can get themselves into. And if that happens to each of them in a third of their games, when you're talking total rebounds, what does that do at the end of the year? And the other thing that you have with Jabari Walker is the upside. Like he's come in in the, the toughest year for a true freshman to get adjusted to college basketball because of the way that everything had to be handled over the course of the last few months for this basketball program, you know, having like one-on-ones and not being allowed to do team drills and not having all these different circumstances that kind of stack up. If he's playing like this right now, by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if he looks like a much better player again, like that's just what should be the expectation because he is a true freshman and we've seen that he can do this through two games, but still it's tough to pick him um, to lead the team in rebounds. He's coming off the bench. I'm going to do it though. I'm with you. I think it is Jabari. (laughs) Uh, Even though McKinley writes, you know, the leading returning rebounder. I don't know. It it is kind of scary to think about where the rebounds are going to be coming from though. Yeah. The reason, the reason I I'm, picking Walker and I'm sticking with it at this point is like you said, he is going to see an increased role as the year goes on because he's just going to get better and better as time goes on. And right now he has the best rebounds per minute percentage of anybody who's played, Mm. which is a statistic that I just came up with. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, it's basic division, but the math is still there. So I think with an increased role over time, that's just going to continue to rise. Yep. Um, Field goal percentage. Who's the most efficient from the floor? McKinley. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not just saying that because he's averaging 22 right now, but you look at how he's getting those points. It is so efficient. Like you said, he's only going to take, you know, about one pull up transition three and then another one randomly in the game. So really probably going to shoot two or three, uh, two or three deep balls per game. So you love that from a percentage standpoint, because he's not just going to be the guy that's heaving up, you know, deep threes as a heat check. 64% from the floor as well through two games. Not just does that lead the team right now, but the way he is getting it, he is so crafty that he's not taking contested shots. I think an easy way to go here might be looking at a guy like Evan Batty or Jabari Walker, because they're going to be the guys in the post that get those layups. But the interesting thing is when Wright gets to the rim, he's not really contested because he's so crafty. And the times when he takes jump shots, he creates separation through, you know, double dribble or not double triples, double moves and also crossovers. I mean, his game is so versatile that he's always getting open looks. So I'm going to trust him to finish his open looks more than a guy like an Evan Batty or like a Jabari Walker to finish contested at the rim. I think McKinley Wright is really going to have the best season we have seen out of a Colorado player in some, some time. Wow. Uh, I do too. <laughs> I'm not sure if he can lead the team field goal percentage <laughs> uh, just because I don't want to be the same. Well, I'm going to go Dallas Walton. Okay. I think just because he is so big and he gets all of his looks in the post uh, so far it's worked for him. And that's honestly why I'm taking him over Evan Batty because he does lead the team in field goal percentage because he's made two thirds of his shots so far. And I think that for a big man like that, I expect that to continue. And I think that Kin can be right in there. It's just so hard for a guard. I feel like to lead the team in field goal percentage, I'm all right with like three or four different answers here. Um, <laughs> yours being one of them, but I'm going to take Dallas Walton. Um, all right. Last question before we get out of here. Uh, this week, imagine you're Tad Boyle and you have like the mj's secret stuff or whatever and and you get to give that to anybody on the team and that player just like takes their game up one one notch from what we've seen so far this season one player uh just for this one game plays a lot better who do you want that to be giving like the buffs the best chance to win yeah i'm gonna give it to evan batty and that's because washington state you know we talked about bonton as a guard having 18 points per game on an atrocious field goal percentage they have some forwards. They have three guys that are really doing well. They're averaging, you know, all of them are around and they all have incredible names. So that's why I'm not going to try. One of them is Rodman. The other one is OBGD. And then their third forward right now, averaging almost 10 points per game is uh, Kunks, Kunks, uh, 
Con. Exactly. They've got three guys. Yeah, that's that's, that's what we're going to sum that up as we've, they've got three guys that can play the forward spot. And so the reason I give it to Batty is because we haven't seen that breakout yet. You look at McKinley, right? He's going to put up 18, 20 points in this game. He doesn't need a boost right now. Evan Batty is a guy who he could come out in this game, have a double double and you are beating Washington state by 15, 20 points. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to go. Um, again, just for the sake of being different, um, let's go, let's go with Jabari. I was uh, so I think, close to picking Jabari. So I'm yeah, glad you did. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's just do it. I think again, the rebounding has already been there. What happens if he can take a little step there, which is something like we are going to know the answer to that this season. I'm confident in that, that he is going to keep improving in every aspect of his game and it will take a step forward with the rebounding. But if that step comes today or Saturday, sorry, I, I, I would be really excited to see it. And I think that that's a big factor in the game. Also the three point shot. That's the other reason why I really like him for this pick, you know, just, just provide a little bit more spacing. Um, see if you can knock down a couple of those shots because he's taking some jump shots very confidently. Like mm-hmm. he, he, you could tell that he expects himself to be making open three pointers at the very least. And if he could just start knocking those down at a little bit better clip, I think was he one for three in the first game? I'm not sure that he, took one in the most recent game but uh, if he gets that shot going uh I, I think that there are a lot of players who will be on the floor who can get him some open shots he's just got to put them in when they're there and that's a, a big step forward in his game evan batty's a good choice too though absolutely all right i think that's going to do it uh you guys can hear from ben again on saturday Again, we're going to be talking after the football game on the DMVR YouTube page. You can also find that on Twitter through Periscope, or or I guess on Periscope through Twitter makes more sense. Um, Periscope only works like half the time when you're trying to watch things on it. Like half the time it's like freezing or saying it's loading or it's like, just go to YouTube and it'll be a much better time. And we also might be there in between the two games, depending on how much time there is and whether we wind up needing to push those two things into one longer show. Uh, But yeah, you can hear Ben there. Um, I'll be talking about the football game tomorrow against Arizona. I went back, watched a couple of Arizona games, watched a couple of Colorado games yesterday, and I am ready to dig in. So be ready for that tomorrow, uh, getting ready for Saturday's football game. Uh, That's it for today. And like I said, I'll see you guys tomorrow. They like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Holland get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag My Colorado swag Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag is pushing one and see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And when you playing with you, you can get
survival. Get them thugs, get them boss, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a boss with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Colorado sweat, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sweat, my Colorado sweat, my Colorado sweat. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sweat, my Colorado sweat, my Colorado sweat. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado sweat.